0: Yeah. How many of you are ready for Christmas? Let me see your hands. How many of you are not ready for Christmas? All right. 20 days. Troy said it. I want to welcome those of you who are here live and also those of you who are watching online. You're all part of the Hill Country family, and we're glad you've joined us today. So let me begin with this. Looking back over the course of your life, and I realize for some of you, you got a little bit more looking back than others. All right. I said that out in Sun City and almost got kicked out of town, but Looking back over the course of your life, what areas do you regret having quit? Think about that for a second. You know, maybe you quit on an educational opportunity. Maybe you quit on a business opportunity. Maybe you feel like you quit on a friend. Maybe you feel like you quit on a spouse. Maybe you even feel like you quit on God. But scroll back over the course of your life for just a minute and think about some area where you stopped something midstream, and then think about the feelings of regret and remorse that accompanied that decision. You know, if we're honest, we've all quit many things in life. And you know, as I scroll back over my life, uh, a few instances came to mind. The first one happened when I was 8 years old and I quit ski school. Okay? I quit a beginner's snow skiing class. And I don't remember exactly why I did. I remember feeling cold, okay? Big surprise, it's snow, right? I was bored. But I do remember this, at the end of it all, when all the other students finished and graduated, they had this big blowout party, and I got left out in the cold, so to speak. And I learned a lesson about quitting that day. But we have a unique society these days. You know, people don't really have much of a stick-to-it attitude anymore. I think our culture is full of people who would rather bail out than blast through. They'd rather leave than last. They'd rather throw in the towel than stay in the game. And it's not getting a lot better. Newsweek a few years ago reported that one-third of public high school students will not graduate in the United States, one-third. You know, in our society, people have a job-quitting, vow-forgetting, you know, excuse-making mentality that kind of runs from the character quality we're going to talk about today. It's a character quality known as endurance. Webster's Dictionary defines endurance as the ability to last, the ability to continue. And I would say endurance is the ability to go forward even when it's tough. It's a quality we desperately need, but it appears to be on the endangered character quality list these days. I mean, from month-to-month apartment leases, to escape clauses in contracts, to prenuptial agreements, to free agency in sports, I'd say our culture actually promotes a lack of endurance. But the Bible comes along and tells us that Christians, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to endure all things. And so today, we're going to look at a man who demonstrated some serious endurance, Noah, as in the guy who built the ark. And we're in this series called Go, where we're taking a look at Old Testament Bible characters that God instructed to go and do something. And then we're looking at the blessings that accompanied that go. And as we get up close and personal with Noah, we find a man who learned that when God says go, you better have some serious, serious endurance. Now, if you pick up your Bible and you just start reading in Genesis, one of the first statements you'll find is that mankind was made in God's image. And God gave people this freedom of choice. Rather than making robots, God gave mankind the ability to choose good or evil in the very, very beginning. Okay? But ever since Adam and Eve sinned, mankind inherited a sin nature. And it doesn't take long to realize within a few chapters, you kind of see that mankind has this overwhelming tendency to choose evil. By Genesis chapter 6, the world had degenerated to such a degree that God was sorry He made mankind. We're going to pick up the story here in Genesis 6, 5-7. to seven. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Wow, our loving God's heart was filled with pain. He said, I'm sorry I made this mess, and so I'm going to clean it up. Now, the question we always ask is this, why did there have to be such widespread death and destruction? Well, in God's economy, sin always demands a payment. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin, that's the penalty for sin, the paycheck, if you will, for sin. The wages of sin is death. And so because of his justice, God was going to play wipeout on the entire planet. But you've got to remember something about God. God is perfectly balanced. So on the one hand, God is a God of judgment. But on the other hand, God is a God of grace. And I'm telling you, he's always looking for an opportunity to extend grace to people. And here comes God's grace in Genesis 6, 8. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now that little phrase, found favor, there's a very cool phrase. Okay, It's actually one of the first instances of the concept of grace in the entire Bible. Found favor is a Hebrew phrase that speaks of a superior person granting unmerited favor to an inferior person. That's what God does here. He extends his favor to Noah. You say, well, why Noah? Well, look at Genesis 6, 9. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah walked with God. And I would tell you that that is the key to developing endurance, that you and I need to learn how to walk with God. In fact, I would go so far as to say that is the chief aim for us in life, walking with God. Around here, we call it doing life with God. Walking with God is the key to enduring difficult times. I mean, only by leaning on God's strength will you be able to crash through the quitting points of life. See, Noah endured because he was close to God, because he walked with God. You say, well, what does it mean to walk with God? Well, that's what we're going to address this morning. Let me just begin with this. Have you ever tried to run with somebody and carry on a meaningful conversation at the same time? (laughs) That's pretty tough, isn't it? I have a few friends who are in such great shape that they can run and talk with little strain. I cannot talk back to them, okay? If I'm running, I'm just struggling to breathe, let alone talk. I can't do both at the same time. But if I'm just walking, well, then I can listen attentively. I can communicate effectively. So Noah walked with God. And if we look closely at his life, we can actually uncover four key elements of walking with God that we can apply to our lives today. So here we go. We're going to walk through these. First of all, to walk with God, we've got to listen to God. Now, if you missed it, we just did a whole series called The Experience where I talked about different ways that God speaks to us. And I would encourage you to go back online and check that out. Now, the primary way God speaks to each and every one of us is in this book right here. Listening to God begins by reading His Word, by reading the Bible. And this is the only perfect, infallible way that we can hear from God. But listening to God also includes learning to identify when the Holy Spirit, who lives in every Christian, when the Holy Spirit inside of us is prompting us to go and do something. And the more you walk with God, the better you're able to discern the Holy Spirit's leadings and promptings. In fact, it's kind of like a child who, as they're growing up, they learn to identify their parents' voice. So we can learn to identify the Spirit's voice. Now, I grew up in Houston, Texas, a little town called Seabrook, Texas. Anybody here heard of Seabrook, Texas? A little coastal town. If you don't know Houston, Houston is a beautiful coastal city where you can enjoy heat, humidity, and haze, okay? Fancy word for pollution, but... But even 110% humidity, whatever it was, you know, I mean, I, we would go outside and play as kids. That didn't ever stop us. In fact, I can remember over the summers going out, playing street football around the corner from my house from dawn until dusk, hanging out with my friends Bill and Nikki and Dodd, and we would have a blast together. But when the sun began to set, we knew the inevitable would occur. We knew the time for us having fun would expire. And, and what would happen, you remember this as a kid, your parents would call you home. Remember that? and you could be blocks and blocks away, but each of us, we kind of learned to listen for our parents' voice. We could identify our parents' voice. One of my friends, uh, Nikki Karakuka, he had a big, burly Russian father, and he would just step outside. It didn't matter how far off we went. He'd yell, "Nikki!" and Nikki was like, see ya. I'm out of here, right? I mean, there was no counting one, two, three. No, not with him. It was like, Nikki, and Phew, he was gone. And we were like, wait, did you hear that? Nikki did, right? You only miss that voice once. And and then my other friend, Dodd Wagner, he had this mom with an unbelievable Southern accent. She could take that name, Dodd, and turn it into five syllables, okay? It was like, Dodd, come on. And he'd be gone. My other friend, Bill Lenore, his mom was the mayor of our city. She had this stern tone to her voice, and it would just be like, Bill, Bill, Bill. And he said, do you hear that? (laughs) He was gone. My mom, on the other hand, she was kind of calm, chill, relaxed. In fact, she would play with me. Sometimes she would actually sing my name. So we would hear this faint, Brian, Brian. It's like, oh, gosh. (laughs) Really, mom? But I heard that voice. I knew that voice immediately. See, none of us could see our parents. We were blocks away. But I'm telling you what, each of us, we knew our parents' voice. We learned to identify our parents' voice. Why? Because we live with our parents. We, we walk with our parents. We did life with our parents. We were our parents' kids. And I'm telling you, if you've been born again into the family of God, you should walk with God. You should spend time with God. And as his child, over time, you'll learn to recognize and respond to his voice. Now, some of you, you may be new here. You may be thinking, wait a minute, Brian, are you saying that God talks to people today? Yes. But let me clarify. I've never heard an audible voice before. But he speaks to me through his word and he speaks to me through leadings of his spirit. Sometimes it's just a prompting in my mind to do something, sometimes it's a thought that pops into my head. And let me give a disclaimer here. Anytime you think God is leading you to go and do something, make sure you run it through the grid of scripture first. God is never going to contradict anything in this book right here. And also, if you think God is speaking to you, it's wise to run it by a trusted Christian friend. Because some people run around like spiritual wackos and say, well, God told me this, and God told you that, right? When in reality, they probably just got a hold of some bad sushi or something. I mean, (laughs) not every inner prompting is coming from God. In fact, we're going to talk about this next year. Uh, Sometimes that, that, that voice is just coming from our flesh, or even worse, it can be a thought planted by the enemy. So we've got to discern God's voice. It might not be God, so test it. But yes, God still speaks to us through the Bible, when we pray, through other people, through the promptings of his spirit. Noah walked with God. He learned to listen to what God had to tell him. But he didn't just listen, okay? Noah also obeyed God. And that is our second key principle here. Okay, the first thing you do is you hear, but that is useless. It's useless to hear God if you don't obey God. So God, he says to Noah in Genesis 6, 13, Noah, I want you to build a boat. Now, to most of us here, that doesn't sound too strange. Back in that culture, that would have been really, really strange. Why? Because Noah had probably never even seen a boat before. And it's possible that it had never even rained in the way we think of rain on the earth before. The book of Genesis tells us there was a veil, a mist that surrounded and enveloped the earth and watered the grounds. But God says, Noah, build a boat because I'm going to send this thing called rain and I'm going to flood the entire earth. But you and your family will be saved because you'll be in that boat. So Noah listened and Noah obeyed. And he started this project. Now, Noah was around 500 years old when he started building this ark. And I'm guessing most people were thinking he was going through some kind of a millennium life crisis or something, right? What is he doing? He's not buying a Ferrari or Lamborghini. He's building a big honkin' boat. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall. Got a picture of it here. You can see how big that is. That's a replica. That's not the real ark. It didn't come floating over to the Netherlands, but that's the replica there. That's a big boat. And I'm guessing, I mean, just think about this. Noah had to endure some serious ridicule day in and day out. He's working on this thing. I'm sure he was the laughing stock of the local Home Depot, right? Getting supplies all the time. And get this. I looked into this. I'm like, how long did this take? You guys have any idea? Scholars estimate it may have taken him upwards to 120 years to build this puppy. And I don't know about you, but after about 10 or 20 years, I'm going, come on, God, this is ridiculous. Man, I'm watching the Weather Channel. I don't even see any clouds. I don't know what clouds are. What, What the? No, what is the deal? Noah was a man of endurance. He just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. He persevered. I love this. Genesis six twenty two. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. <laughs> Can anybody in here say that? <clears throat> yeah, don't raise your hand. I shouldn't be raising my hand. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. He heard and he obeyed. You see, even when things don't make sense, even when it's like, what are you up to, God? He expects you to move forward, to trust him, to obey him and to trust that he will come through in his timing. And that's another principle, okay? That's our next principle here. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to learn to wait on God. Scholars tell us that Noah and his family spent 377 days in that ark. You talk about needing endurance. In fact, they had to hang out in the boat for seven days before it even started to rain. And I don't mean to be gross here, but can you imagine the smell in that thing? the humidity, the doubt that would plague them. But Noah hung tough. And see, when it comes to walking with God, here's something you've got to grasp. You've got to learn to get on God's timetable. See, my timing is my timing, right? I want it done now. I want this done now. I want that done now. You're the same way. But as Christians, we've got to sync up with God's timetable. And I'm telling you, that can be really, really tough at times. I remember the first missions trip I took down to Mexico. It was 35 years ago, and Wendy and I, we went down to Queretaro, Mexico, to help with the construction of a church building there. And the group we went with uh, included some of your typical corporate America businessmen. These were your high-detail, punch-the-clock kind of guys. So when they said, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, they expected the Mexican nationals to be there at 8 a.m. sharp. Yeah. some of you are chuckling. You've obviously been to Mexico before. See, 8 a.m. in the morning, that, that, that means, you know, whenever. Eight, nine, maybe 10, any time in the morning. And I remember the first day when the Mexican nationals there, they they were late. It wasn't that big a deal. People said, oh, something went wrong. But then the second day, the third day, some of our guys are like pacing back and forth, looking down at their watch, doing this. I mean, you could practically feel their blood pressure going through the roof, just waiting on those guys to arrive with supplies, to help with assistance. And finally, our missionary there, Jose Rodriguez, he, he sat these guys down and said, guys, there's something you need to understand here you are on Mexico time now. And when you're on Mexico time, an hour is no big deal. Get over it. Get used to it. And see, we had to sync up with their timetable. So if we wanted them there at eight, we tell them seven, 630, something like that. Some of you are chuckling because you have to do that with your kids or maybe with your spouse, right? Wendy still tries to do that with me, but I can see through that. But you know, you, you get the concept, right? You get the concept. We had to learn to get in sync with their timing. Well, in the same way with God, guess what? You got to say, okay, God, I'm going to sync up with your timetable. And be honest. You know, I don't understand. I don't always like it, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Let me tell you something about God's timing. It's almost always later than what you would like. I mean, God loves to come through for us at the last minute. And I think he does that on purpose, right? He wants to stretch our faith. All right, so let's get back to Noah. 40 days, 40 nights, it rains, it floods. Scholars estimate by the time, you know, that it was all said and done, right, they'd been in there for over a year, just float along in that boat. And then the waters recede. And then, you know, eventually the ark rests on Mount Ararat. And when the land is dry enough for them to get off the boat, the first thing Noah does as soon as he steps off the ark is to worship God. The Bible tells us that he honored the Lord with a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And that's our final point when it comes to walking with God. Listen to God, obey God, wait on God, and then honor God. Now, you would think that honoring God would be a typical response after a great victory, wouldn't you? But it's not. It's not. How many of you remember the story in the Bible where Jesus healed 10 men of leprosy? How many came back to honor him? How many came back to say thanks? Anybody know? One. One out of 10. See, we typically spend more time leaning on God during the trial than we do celebrating God, honoring God after the victory. But let me tell you this, the key to enduring the next time around is to remember and honor the source of endurance this time around. We should honor God in all circumstances, just like Noah did here. Look at Genesis 8, 20 to 21. It says that Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. And then I like this. You ready? The Bible says, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. When we honor God with our lives, when we just say, thank you, God, for the goodness that you give, that's like a pleasing aroma to him. Noah pleased God here. And I love that fragrant aroma concept. Now, I don't know about you guys. uh, Wendy and I are not big cologne or perfume people. Okay, a little bit is okay. But do you know people who like OD on the stuff, right? Okay, Wendy and I, we used to have this friend who was like a cologne junkie, all right? He needed a 12-step program to know when to say when. It was bad. He'd come over to our house. It would take us weeks to get the smell out of our couch. Uh, It was so intense, our dog wouldn't even come near this guy, right? that was no longer a sweet-smelling aroma. When you OD to mass BO, it's it's not a pleasant aroma anymore, okay? And the same thing is true in our lives. When we live this life of honoring God, that's a pleasing aroma to Him. But if we just offer Him lip service, right, kind of in an attempt to maybe mask over the stench of a life of disobedience, that that smell, that fake smell doesn't fool God, doesn't please God. Now, the life that God blesses is a life of of obedience, a life of waiting on him, a life of honoring him. So Noah's endurance, it came from the fact that he walked with God day in and day out. And again, what does it mean to walk with God? Well, Noah listened to God, obeyed God, waited on God, and honored God. And as we do the same, I'm telling you, God will give you the strength to endure even the toughest of challenges in life. All right, so now comes the tough question, right? where has God called you to go and do something? And you, if you're honest, you haven't stayed with it. Like you've thrown in the towel, you haven't hung in there. In other words, where maybe have you given up? I want you to think about this for a second. Maybe you're a student and you're kind of just like, man, this schoolwork is too hard. And you're just kind of blowing that off. You've given up. You know, maybe it's in your marriage, and I get it. I counsel people all the time. Sometimes people have tried and tried and tried for years and years and years, but sometimes God is saying, no, 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 you've got to hang in there. No matter what, you've got to endure. And you're just weary you're fighting in there. But God's telling you, hey, get back in the game. Get back in there. You know, maybe it's exercise or diet, something that simple, and you know your health is suffering. You're not honoring God with your body, the temple that he's given you, but it's rough, and you've got to get back in the game. You know, maybe you're looking for a job, but you're not really spending time. here. You're out of a job, but you're not really going out and, and trying to get another job. And every day you wake up, and when you don't do it, it gets tougher to step in there and do that. Yeah, maybe it's a dream that you had that you've given up on years ago, and God is saying, man, I want you to rekindle that passion. I want you to go for that. I'm calling you to do that. Or maybe for some of you, you remember a time when you were really serving the Lord and ministry, but as you think about it, man, that's been years ago. And in the back of your mind, you're kind of going, yeah, yeah, I I did my time, right? Hey, if you're still alive, the race isn't over, people. And what is it for you? I can't tell you what it is. But where is God telling you, get back in the game, walk with me, trust me to give me endurance, to give you endurance? What is it for you? You know, if something immediately pops in your mind right now, let me just tell you, don't dismiss it, don't ignore it, (laughs) don't write it off. I mean, that could very well be the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Test it against the Word. Ask a trusted friend, but don't dismiss the Spirit's promptings. The writer of Hebrews talks about endurance in the Christian life, and I love this because it echoes what we just saw in the life of Noah. Listen to Hebrews 12 here. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every encumbrance, And the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, if you're going to do what God calls you to do, if you're going to go where God calls you to go, If you're going to finish this Christian race well, you have to have a singular focus. Jesus. What does it say here? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. In other words, walk with Jesus. Do life with Jesus. Now I'm telling you, the Christian racetrack is littered with believers who started really well, but somewhere along the line, they stumbled. Somewhere along the line, they took their eyes off the prize. They took their eyes off Jesus and they didn't finish well. Christians who give up, or give in to the temptations of the world because enduring is just too hard. And I get it, it's tough to hang tough when times are tough, right? It's easy to throw in the towel. It's also easy to let, just kind of let go a little bit, right? When things look pleasant, when things are going well, just to kind of ease off the gas a bit. But if you're gonna finish the Christian life well, you've gotta stay focused on Jesus and run it all the way to the very end. You know, Noah was a model of endurance. Think about this. He spent upwards to 120 years enduring just one great project for the Lord. I mean, that's nearly two lifetimes, people. So I think by God's grace, you and I, we can make it for one. Don't you think? All right, let's pray. God, as we look at the life of Noah, it's it's amazing to me because none of us are going to have to stick with something for 120 years. But His example is there for us. And especially in our culture today where it's so easy to bail out. People give up on things, giving up on jobs, giving up on friendships, giving up on marriages, giving up on just everything, bailing out. God, I pray that we would be different, that as Christians, we would have that stick to itness that only comes from walking with you. That we would pay attention to what you have for us. That even if we don't understand what it is, that we would obey it, we would walk in that. That we would have incredible patience because it always takes that to wait on you. And then finally, God, when you come through for us, that we would celebrate you, we would honor you, that we would thank you for your goodness and that we would really remember that because that's the source of endurance for the next challenge that comes. God, we recognize that we are totally dependent on you and your power and your Holy Spirit to do this. But we thank you that like Noah, we can endure all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, people. So this week, as you think about it, figure out where you need to get back into the race and don't give up, okay? Don't give up. Have a wonderful week.